Hello and welcome to this episode of Star Wars Universe Podcast. My friends, the night we are recording this, we are seven days away from a new Star Wars show coming out, Andor. And Paul and myself are going to give you a primer episode, a kind of like breakdown of what we love about the character and and the, this period of time in history, uh, of Star Wars history, and, and why we're excited about the show and then maybe some things we're not so excited about and just kind of talk about the show. Here's the thing, though. There's a lot of great content, including by a lot of my mutuals, that has been breaking down the previews, talking about the news from set, talking about the casting, talking about all sorts of stuff. Paul and I have decided that we enjoy things a lot more if we basically go in through the veil of ignorance, um, which is basically just a fancy way of saying we hate being spoiled. Uh, and Paul, Paul has sort of been on this church for a long time. Paul has converted me to this church. Uh, Paul adamantly hates religion, and I have to laugh that he's basically the reason I went to seminary, so that's why I'm joking about him converting me to a church. But anyway, um, the, the point being, we're going to talk about it as though all we know, because it is all we know, is, you know, the fact that this show is coming, the little bit of news that came out of the show at the very beginning, and of course the character and, and what we know about this time in, in Star Wars history, such as it is. So if you are like us and we've brought you around to the team of no spoilers, then this is a great primer for you. If you have all the spoilers, you could be like, ha ha, these guys are idiots. If only they knew that this had happened. Um, and, you know, have your fun with that. Only rule is if you're watching this on live stream, do not post spoilers in the chat. And you if you're watching banned. later... Uh, you will be banned, and please do not post any of those spoilers uh, as a response to this until the show actually begins, at which point you can email them to me uh, at theethicalpanda, Matthew, at theethicalpanda.com, but please don't post any spoilers. So if, like, you know something cool has happened, is going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet, even though you saw it in the previews, please don't hit us with it. Uh, this is also to kick off our and or coverage. We're going to be doing live... <clears throat> we're going to be doing... Response episodes to every episode of Andor as it comes out. I will certainly be doing them. We're going to be trying to get a couple of other guests on to do them from time to time. Paul's going to do them for as long as the show doesn't annoy, annoy them. Uh, that might be the whole show. It might be after the first episode. We will see. It's a fun game. Come along and, and play along. Um, <laughs> we so should have we'll a betting be, pool. We could have a betting pool. That'd be interesting. Like how many uh, episodes? You know? Someone who's in Vegas. You can organize that for us. Um, or somewhere else where it's legal. It's probably legal everywhere. Who cares? Um, but in case any FBI agents are listening to this, um, I'm glad you are. You're probably <laughs> doing better things listening to us than you would be out FBIing. So, yeah, listen to us more. Anyway, this is now last time we had one of the longest uh, end of an episodes that turned into a whole episode. This is now officially the longest beginning of an episode. So the last thing I will say is to that we will not only be recording the episodes, we'll be live recording them on stream on Twitch stream every Wednesday night, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central, 6.30 Mountain, 5.30 Pacific, and on twitch.tv slash zenmadman. Uh, all that will be in the show notes. Paul, do you have any other last words before we cut to commercial break? Uh, oh, I thought we were wrapping up the podcast. That felt like a full uh, no, like a full thing. No, we're, we're only four minutes in. We got a ways. Yeah, I had something, but I forgot. I forgot it already. That's fair. We will have another top three list as our singer. It will not cause another episode. I'm putting my foot down on that now. But now we're going to go to a commercial break that probably Graham Moff Tarkin's in control of because he's pretty well set.
Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined by our not co-host, Paul Hoppy. Paul, you're the one who really got me on board with the whole like just avoid all trailers kind of thing. Where where did that start for you? Like what how are you feeling about having this episode as a primer about something we know almost nothing about? Uh I'm curious to see how this episode that I think can't possibly last more than twenty minutes will last an hour and twenty minutes. I guess we'll find out. We'll go on that adventure together. I really do enjoy watching things without knowing what's going to happen, you know, at least the first time through. And I think especially for a show like this, which basically I will sum up what I really know about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that the title character is Cassian Andor, who is one of the central characters in Rogue One. I know that this therefore must be a prequel. <clears throat> because, you know, spoilers for Rogue One, uh, not a lot of story after that. Uh, I know that... Because as we've seen in the Star Wars universe, no one comes back from the dead. Yeah, well, I mean, they don't generally... You know, I, it doesn't... They're mostly Sith. It's mostly yeah. Sith who come back from the dead. <laughs> um, you know, and I mean, he shot that one guy in the back. But I, I do know that the showrunner is um, a writer that I uh, really enjoy who wrote the, the first several Bourne movies, but not the last terrible one. So, you know, that seems good. Who also mm-hmm. was a writer and essentially a redirector, I think, on Rogue One, which is, nice. I think, one of the best. Uh, it's um, uh, Tony Gilroy, right? I think... Mm-hmm. One of the best Star Wars movies, um, arguably the best in terms of just like how it is fashioned as a, a film, you know. Yeah, I. It is not my favorite, but I think like from a technical like filmmaking point of view, it's probably the best. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I in terms of the writing and stuff, like I actually started rewatching. I'm like, well, and I'm like, okay, I will not tread down that dark path because mm-hmm. forever will it, you know, dominate my destiny or something <laughs> like that. But. Um, yeah, it is It is a very well-made movie, and mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed it a lot as well the first several times I saw it. And um, I think that this is supposedly has some sort of spy-ish type take, although, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we know when it takes place, right? That it's right. sometime before the blowing up of the Death Star, so sometime during the Rebellion. So the extent to which yeah. it is the kind of birth of the rebellion or whether it's the rebellion more in full swing. I don't know. I will find out, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing, you know, all right, how do you do a show like this that presumably is going to be fairly different from the other right. things you've done so far on screen? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's great. I, I want to talk about the show itself, but first you're talking about the non-spoiler thing. It's funny because the thing that convinced me to stop watching trailers because they were negatively impacting my view of the movies or the TV shows mm-hmm. was Rogue One. Mm. Because in one of the because we all know that Rogue One had like an initial feel and then they kind of brought in as you said redirector new directors and editors and writers and changed the the feel of it a lot and I think I haven't seen the original cut but I think they did a very I really like what they came up with so I, I'm not sad about that I'm not clamoring for the director the original cut by any means. Excuse me. But the first trailer included a line that I just thought was fantastic. And it was like someone like Mon Mothma or someone else like that asks, um, 
you know, Jin, why, you know, why are you like breaking the rules or whatever? You know, something, something along those lines. And she just looks at, at her and says, this is a rebellion, right? I rebel. And I just, I love that line and I was so excited for it. <laughs> and I spent a, like a small part of my brain, the entire movie of Rogue One was focused on when is that line going to happen? And then it didn't. And looking back, it probably would have been a little bit too silly for the tone that this was going for. Mm. But the preview had set me up for something. Mm -hmm. And after that, I was just like, no, no more. Chick, chick, chick. (laughs) Sorry, wrong podcast. That's about rounders. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I was just like, we're not doing this anymore. And yeah, and I I found that I enjoy shows so much more this way because I get – especially in something like Star Wars where – I think this is kind of – I think a lot of this came up for me during Kenobi to be honest. You know – I have headcanoned already my understanding of what Obi-Wan meant, you know, what Obi-Wan and Vader meant when they said, you know, uh, we meet again, the circle is now complete, etc. Right. And the Kenobi show didn't fit into my understanding of it. And in part because things I saw in the Kenobi trailers made me feel like, uh, I don't, and, and I found that, like, giving that up, um, I did see a little of the trailers, but, but only the first, and then I stopped watching any of them. And I heard later about how much discussion there was about, like, oh, we see them fighting this time and this time. I think I'm so glad that I didn't see that Mm -hmm. because it would have – it's one thing to see trailers about a movie, you know, set in a world that I know nothing about. Because then I sort of feel like I don't have anything to hang them on. Right, right. But especially in something like Star Wars or the MCU, you give me a couple of, like, two-second scenes, my brain is going to create the rest around them. And I don't want to do that. I want to go in with as few preconceived notions as possible. Yeah, to me, um, I mean, there's no greater way to set up disappointment than to build expectations, first of all, yeah. right? Second of all, I I really don't enjoy the feeling watching something, knowing something particular is going to happen, not necessarily knowing exactly how or why, but just like, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I'm going to use Angel as an example. I had seen an episode of Angel season maybe three or four mm-hmm. years before I saw any of Buffy or Angel, like for real, right? So then mm-hmm. I ended up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I start watching Angel. And like the entire first like two and a half seasons, I'm waiting for this particular scene. And then I see it and I'm like, oh, there's that that scene that I saw that one time when I was at a casino. Like, and yeah. it's so it's so weird just having this like this little bit of knowledge that's like totally from the wrong part of the story. And, you know, you can tell a story in a nonlinear fashion and do that very deliberately. But when it's just some random thing that you've, you've seen, you know, I, it, I, I feel like it, it very much messes with the experience for me. And yeah. I much prefer to see, you know, the story as the writer you know, or writers or mm-hmm. whoever's kind of built the story, maybe, you know, in film and, and TV, it's usually very collaborative, but uh, I like to see it in the way they intended and, you know, and not have a whole bunch of expectations for what's going to happen and not be like, when's that line? When's she going to say it? When's she going to say it? You know? Right. You know? And when are they going to kiss? Because if there's a kiss in the movie or TV show, they always will show it. Right. And and that's like that, you know, aside from just being a spoiler in terms of like, now you know what's going to happen. And then there's not, you know, suspense or mm-hmm. a question of that. It's just, it, it to me, it feels like not experiencing, you know, the thing in its, 
not really experiencing it like it like it's new, like it's fresh, right? And yeah. that's one of the things I like about this is so far I only know it as one character that I know from one movie, right? And yeah. so I imagine there will be cameos. I mean, I know what time period this takes place in. I can think <clears> of a dozen people who might show up, right? Right. I'm looking forward to those being surprises, but also I'm looking forward to not sitting there and being waiting for those things to happen, you know? Yeah. And just like let it come when it comes. Yeah, I think it's really true. I also think uh, we're mostly going to kind of stop and look at the chat at later points, but because you were just talking about Buffy yeah. and Buffy Bot has now <laughs> helpfully chimed into the chat, uh, Buffy Bot writes, the only thing worse than watching a trailer before seeing a movie is reading a review of that movie. Um, yeah, I, I had to stop myself from doing that entirely. Um, and it's a problem, especially because now reviews have been weaponized, you know, mm -hmm. and like we have people who are, you know, dropping negative reviews about things even before they come out. And like there's just so much it, to me, the unfortunate part of it. And this is a whole other discussion we get into and I want to get to, to Rogue One, but is. You know, so much of social media now about things can become dedicated to that. And I and I do want to make clear, if you're someone, I, I I think this is how me and Paul see things. I know other people have said they see it that way, and I appreciate that. One person in the chat just chimed in, and I'll get your comment in a little bit. But I, also, I can also totally understand why watching trailers, why you love it. You know, I think it can build anticipation. It can sort of be a way to, like... I can't wait six months. I need to know something more. I want to know about the casting. I want to know the interview of the director. And, oh, the, 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 this actor made this joke in, in a tweet. And so maybe that means something. Let's talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And if that's your thing, that's awesome. Um, hmm. We're not saying that we're doing it the right way. It's just that's not, that's not how we want to do it. And so that's why we're doing this a little bit different. That's not what Matthew's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, Paul just thinks you're wrong, but Paul thinks... 99% of us are wrong most of the time anyway. That so is, that is accurate. I do think re like I'll, I will read reviews of a movie after I see it sometimes, particularly yeah. if I liked it or if it was like something that like I had certain thoughts about, I might be like, Hmm, I wonder if anybody kind of has a take on this particular aspect of a thing, but like, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to go in thinking that, you know, I want to, I want to give everything it's fair shot and then, you know, go from there basically. Um, yeah. I, I do. So do you want to read what TJ Stafford said also? Yeah, I was yeah. going to get to that before we wrap up the, mm -hmm. uh, which by the way, you were afraid that we weren't going to have anything to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've now spent 10 minutes just on the fact that there's not spoilers without saying a word about Andor. We're going to be fine. <laughs> um, TJ Stafford said, I'd like it so much better if they didn't put out so many trailers, but if they are released, I don't have enough self-control not to watch them. So just don't put them out. LOL. Um, word. Yeah, I'm with you. It, yeah. It took a lot of restraint for me not to watch them. And every now and then I'll like, I'll see one pop up on my TikTok and I'll be like a second or two slow. Cause I'm like, Oh, this looks, no, no, close it, close it. I have to close it, you know? And it's hard. And so like, I probably know a lot more about the movie than Paul does. Just also cause I'm on TikTok and all that kind of stuff and Twitter and the like. Um, so, but, but I'm going to keep what I know out of it. And I think we both don't know too much. And yeah, I agree with you. I think I don't mind trailers in movie. Like, well, Oh, like that's going a whole to see other conversation. The We're going to get into it at a different point. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's that's, that's like a very particular experience that at some point yeah. in time I used to like, you know? Yeah. Um, when it was a totally – anyway, let, let, let's actually talk about – well, go ahead. If yeah, you have one yeah, last let, thing. I, I just wanted to respond to this. Um, I remember oh, yeah. Daredevil Season 2 had a trailer that was basically just a few shots from Season 1 in this kind of like stained glass window motif. 
And it just, mm-hmm. that to me was the perfect, like, oh yeah, this show. I'm, I want to watch yeah. this show again. Yeah. Without like telling you anything about what was going to happen. It was just like, yeah, you're good. You're going to watch this show again. It's going to be great. And it's like, okay, great. Yeah. You know? And, and to me, I, I do understand that like kind of, you know, getting psyched to watch something. And um, I mean, I think a trailer can be a piece of art. Like, honestly, I yeah. think the trailers for the first Suicide Squad movie were better than like 90% of movies that are released. Like mm-hmm. those trailers were just amazing, you know, and, and very different from one another as well. You know, the movie wasn't as good as the trailers. It wasn't like the saint where I saw the trailer for the saint and I was like, Oh, this looks great. And then I was like, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, you know, they're, they're everywhere too. It's like, if you watch YouTube with ads, it's like, boom, here's a trailer, you know, you go yeah. to turn anything on and it's like, just trying to show you tra- trailers. It's like, no, stop it. Stop it. Like, I think it was like Disney plus was like trying to show me trailers for something I was specifically trying not to watch trailers for. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. And you know, and I knew some of the characters that showed up in Obi-Wan that I was like, I don't know. I think I might've been excited to see them if I didn't know they were going to be in it. And then yeah. like I knew, and like by the time I saw them, I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. But yeah. if it was like, Oh wow. You know, that that's a, it's, it's an experience you can't give back once you've taken it. Can you imagine if we didn't know that Hayden was going to be in Obi-Wan? Right. Yeah. Like I think that, that would have made yeah. it a million times better. Yeah, but, for sure. Anyway. So yeah, I, I love, I guess it's a good transition. Cause I would say I love that kind of a trailer um, where it is just shots from the old thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, to me, if you did that, and again, I don't know anything actually about the move, the, the show, but I, I think it's a pretty fair guess. To me, one of the lines that sticks out so much as like definitional of who Cassian Andor is, uh, A, is the shooting of the guy, which we'll talk about, but but also is the line, you know, not all of us have dirty hands. You know, right. where we're basically talking to Jin about how rebellions aren't, pure wars mm-hmm. uh because i i have to imagine that's a lot of what this show is going to be about yeah um and so let's kind of just start with there like uh well actually let's, st- well, let's start with cassian and or himself yeah. like what what's your kind of take on this character i mean i don't have that much of a take i feel like a very good portrayal of a character that you don't ever really get a backstory on right mm-hmm. like he's got one other line that stood out to me which is Something along the lines of, like, we all lost someone, you know? Yeah. Like, and and to me, that's kind of the idea is, like, you don't have to tell someone, like, who it was or whatever. It's like there's some shared trauma and some sh- shared, like, you know, desire for, for revenge and desire for changing things, right? And mm-hmm. it's like you can kind of understand. It's like, yeah, you know, we've we've been living under the Empire's thumb for, for a long time. You know, for for twenty years by that point, basically, right? So, right. I I think it's, you know, there's there's an understanding that like this is a character who had some sort of a life at some point, mm-hmm. lost some person or people that he cared about a lot, and decided that he wanted to help change things and right. was willing to do basically anything to to do that. You know, and like that's pretty much all you know about the character, you know, I mean, you know, like also that like he's charismatic and like kind of smart, but not like necessarily like a a brilliant tactician Mm -hmm. who like stands out that way. Um, But kind of is the like, you know, just like willing to do what it takes uh, to get things done. Yeah. I I think that's my take on him as well. And I'll get to why that's why I'm excited about the show, but, but 
you know, to me, the real definitional moment for that his character, and I'm glad they give it to us so early, is when he shoots the basically understand like another another like one of his contacts is a spy, yeah, clearly yeah. someone who is working to help the rebellion. Yeah, and it's a really jarring moment because you don't see him like agonizing about it. Mm-hmm. You don't see him like. I think that was one of the moments, and again, like if I'd seen that in a trailer, I'd be so angry. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the times I was most genuinely surprised in a movie theater in the last five, ten years or so, mm, because okay. it was just, I would never, ex- like if this was a Bourne movie, right, right, I would right. maybe expect that, you know, be- but but not in a Star Wars thing, because Star Wars has always been, you know, fairly clear lines about who is good and who is evil. We literally have the light and dark sides of the Force. Right. And... You know, and so the idea that, like, no, you can, that fighting, even fighting a rebellion, I'll back up here in a second, but it connects. One thing I noticed in media a lot when I was growing up was that there were movies about World War II in which you never really saw blood and guts. The movies were all, war is great and grand, and look at how wonderful the American soldiers are, and look at how terrible the Nazis or the Japanese are, and this is all glorious and good. In Vietnam, though, wounds were bloody. Right. Like, it, it was just sort of like because the war isn't morally pure in American understanding, but with lots sure. and lots yeah. of, of, of quotation marks about that. And then Saving Private Ryan came out, and part of why I was so into that movie, the last five minutes notwithstanding, is because it showed, you know, Americans charging the beaches at Normandy and guts hanging out. Right, and, like, right. not that I like blood and gore, but just, like, showed that it was messy, showed that it was ugly, and showed... Americans doing terrible things that they felt they had to. Um, in some cases, like, yeah, war is terrible and that's what you have to do. In some cases, like, yeah, Americans committed war crimes. And I think that's – I have just been in love with the character of, of Andor ever since he shot that guy because, like, on an objective level – well, if if there's – I think this is the point that there is no objective kind of idea of ethics. But if you take it out of its context, shooting your ally in the back so that you can escape – seems horrible. It seems like everything that a rebellion is supposed to be against. But when it's this person's injured, they're not going to be able to escape, and it's not just your life on the line, but if you don't get your secret out, it's possible that, like, the really, really bad thing is going to happen. It becomes a, like, yeah, I don't want to ever think I would have to do that, but maybe, like, I don't think, if he does that, I think the Empire wins because they don't know how to blow up the Death Star. So, so yeah, I... To me, that's my biggest take on the character is that he's the one who's going to really – we're going to get a completely different picture of the rebellion because of who, who Cassian is. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Um, I th- So first of all, there's an almost identical scene in another show um, mm-hmm. that I don't want to spoil even though it's like 15, 16 years old um, that maybe we will cover at some point on superhero ethics. Um, okay. But it's a character who is a spy and is doing a thing, and right. s- somebody's trying to help them. And I think I think it even involves like climbing up or down a fire escape, and that person's maybe injured, and they're just like, "Oh, this person's maybe gonna like spoil the thing," you know? Yeah. So they just shoot them, and like it was like, "Oh, that yeah, that that's what that character would do." And so yeah. I I think the way you're just talking about it actually. Almost like makes it more black and white than I I would say it mm, it is fair. even you know which is like I no I don't believe that the empire is necessarily going to win if he doesn't shoot that guy but mm-hmm. I believe that he believes it 
you know? Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. And and that's the thing, is that it's a judgment call, and it's like, you know, I mean, shooting someone... <laughs> I mean, shooting them in the back, I, I think, is probably better than shooting them in the front, because, you know, they, they don't know. They don't know. It's just, yeah. you know, it's just... It seems that when people get blasted, they either die instantaneously or they're fine. Those seem to be the two outcomes, right? Because the yeah. what's his name? Um, oh, I I just forgot his name, but I was remembering it earlier. Um, but the 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 guy in the white shawl, um, Krennic. Yeah, Krennic. Oh, yeah. I know it's not actually a shawl, but it it like it looks kind of like a shawl. Yeah, him it's and like Cassian a, both get shot right. in that like last final set of scenes, and then are like wounded. A yeah, bit, no, but, but in the beginning, uh, he gets Krennic gets shot too by. Oh yeah, he gets shot in the arm by her mom. Yeah, and he's just like yeah. fine. He's like, oh, ouch, you know what I mean? And yeah, and it's like, or you blast someone once, and they're just like instantly dead. You know, there's yeah. not usually a lot of oh, I've been shot, I'm dying. You know, it's just like yeah, yeah. it's it seems binary, but um. Uh, that that was one of my things actually. Like rewatching, and I was like, mm, eh, mm. but like whatever. That's not. I, yeah. We won't. We won't go down that path. Um, were, were you fairly surprised in the theater? Do you remember when when Cassian shot him? No. Um, I I have no memory of being surprised. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know who he was really yet. Right. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I think that was really. Was that before? Yeah, that was before I really knew who, like, Diego Luna was. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'd seen him in, like, Casa de Mi Padre, which is the, like, the, like, Will Ferrell movie that's entirely in Spanish, even though Will Ferrell doesn't speak Spanish. Oh, yeah, I remember And that. I feel like, does he play his brother? I, I could I could be entirely making this up, but I'm, I'm going to have to, like, um, look it up. But, um yeah, I, I was like, I didn't really know anything about the character yet. So I, I wouldn't say that I was surprised at the time, right? Mm. But um, but I could see being surprised, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if he plays his brother or someone. I think he plays someone else. But um, he's in the movie, you know? And, like, that's what I'd seen him in. And, you know, more recently I've seen him in, um, you know, multiple seasons of uh, Narcos Mexico. And, like, he's just brilliant in that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so at, I believe at that point, I like, I had, I guess I'd seen the trailers, but I didn't really like watch the trailers, you know, like they'd mm-hmm. been on like while I was doing something else. <clears throat> so like, I wasn't like, oh, this is the guy, you know, who's going to be like right. kind of the second most important character in the movie. I was like, no, it was like, it's just someone. He's talking to someone else. Oh, we shot that guy. Okay. So to me, that more like established who he was before I had a kind of preconceived notion of who he might be. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, throughout, like, then he's maybe gonna shoot her dad, right? Which, which right. that seems different to me, you know, like, they're mm-hmm. both questionable, whatever, but it's also, it's like, that just, that, I don't know, um, that other guy seems like not, not good, you know? Yeah, like, I, that, that is one of the things about the movie that never really clicked for me was, like, why this guy is so intent on killing a person after they're mostly done building the thing that this person was building. Right, exactly. Um, I also don't quite understand how fast X-Wings can travel around the galaxy, but that's also... Well, that's that's variable, yeah. depending on which, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what the screenwriter wants to happen. But yeah, but I think you're right that in that situation, like, we as the audience get to see Mon Mothma giving her order, and then that, like, the commander of the military... Like the way I understand it, she's kind of like the 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 president of the alliance, and he's kind of like the, the the chief of staff, you know, or something like that. And um, 
you know, Andor doesn't get the order from her. He just gets the order from this guy. And so, yeah, he never... It sucks that he's ordered to assassinate the father of someone who he's literally traveling with. But, you know, sometimes assassinations are, like... There's a whole other ethical topic, but personally, I have a, like... I don't know. Sure, um, sure. Um, you know, that, yeah, that's so, a whole other thing we can get into. meta X-Wing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, to me, that's that's the whole point, is, like... Uh, meta X-Wing. I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you just quoted that. Never mind. I did. Yeah. No, we, we both quoted it. That's great. What's up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just think that that's... I think for me it surprised me not just because of the character, but just because it's Star Wars. You right. Know? Yeah, it was yeah. I get you. The first time we'd seen someone kind of pro-rebel doing something underhanded, you know? Right. And, like, Luke would never do that. Right. You know? But because Han that, would. Not, I mean, Han, Han would, shot first. Right. Well, but that's that's kind of a weird thing is like, I mean, I guess maybe that's part of why I loved it so much is it felt like this was Han shooting first again. Yes. Even though I think like Han, the guy is literally just not only has he said, I'm going to take you to Jabba, but he actually just says, like, maybe I'll take you in your dead body. I don't think Han shooting first is in any way a problem. It's literally self-defense for him. Um, But but yeah, but 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 even putting that aside, yeah, it just was so out of character for what I expected. I think set the tone for the whole movie. Right. Um, and I'm kind of want to, like when you know that kind of larger sense of the kind of like war is dirty and war is not as like you know pretty as lightsaber battles and stuff like that. Did you also get that sense with Rogue One? Um, it was fairly limited to that aspect. I think mm-hmm. of the you know um, I mean the sort of rebellion within the rebellion. You know, definitely. Right. Um, <laughs> makes sense to me you know like i i feel Mm -hmm. like i mean one of the reasons i think rebellion struggle is that you know there's there's one way to keep things the same and many ways to change things so you know it's hard to get people really united to change things because people don't all want the same change um but also like if people are rebelling it's like you know i mean we talked about this with uh twin sons you know with ezra being like well i'm not gonna you know you don't get in the rebellion to follow orders (laughs) You know, yeah. <laughs> if this is a rebellion, it's a rebellion. I rebel. I rebel. Exactly. Which I, I do not. I do not think. I think it's a. I think it's funny. I don't think it's a great yeah. line. I, I, I do feel like it probably wouldn't have gone great with the, um, uh, what's it called? Um. I, I don't think it would have gone great with the tone that they ended up with. Yeah, uh, and maybe I, I totally it's revealing like it. of what the tone might have been, you know, which like does, does right. it, it's 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 funny, and in the right movie, I think it could work for sure. Yeah, right. Um, I I think the other thing that for me really added to that tone, and and going back to the what I was saying about the way World War Two versus Vietnam, is those scenes of like the 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 battlefield that they were in. To me, looked an awful lot like the rice paddy kind of battlefields mm. that we see in Vietnam War okay. movies all the time, yeah. and especially like their U wings, but like the shots of like the equivalent in that world of helicopters landing and people getting off them, right, right. and like you know, to me that. But also, yeah, as you said, like there being there's the rebellion within the rebellion of Mon Mothma fighting with the uh, uh, chief of staff guy, but then there's also the rebellion versus Saw Gerrera, and right. like what we what we see in. That first, the the first big battle scene where it's the uh, in in um, I want to say in Fallujah, but because that's what comes to mind. But in Jeddah, um, where saw saw troops and that and they're you know 
they're they're fighting imperials, but they're killing civilians as right, well, and they're being right. a little more like kind of uh, out there. And I think at the time I was like, oh yes, clearly like you know Saw is wrong, Mon Mothma's right. Now I'm like, mm, maybe Saw's the leftist and Mon Mothma's the liberal. You know, like there's there's some Saw's probably too far out there, but there's some there's some you can see a both sides kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, but no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was I was just gonna uh, this whole leftist liberal thing, but like I, you know, th- they refer to him as an extremist, I think, right? Yeah. Which seems like not the problem, but at the same time, they do. It does seem like they are searching for some sort of, uh, somewhat like diplomatic solution, right? Like, yeah, I'm... they do believe Good. that they can present evidence of atrocities by the emperor by the empire and basically get the senate kind of like to change things they think that the right. senate is still like an effective <clears throat> governing body that just doesn't have as as much power as it should whereas i think people like saw are like no this whole thing's got to go it's right. it's totally messed well, up and even there i i don't think they're completely i think there is still some power to the senate because i mean Vader, they disband it, which obviously is like has some meaning, but also in A New Hope, uh, you know, when they kidnap, uh, when they capture Leia and keep her, you know, that that flunky says to Vader, you know, if the Senate finds out about this, we're going to be in real trouble. So, yeah, I, I think there is some truth to the idea that, like, they thought the Senate could do something. But but yeah, but all, I mean, that same debate, though, of like, do we use the vote? Do we use political means to make change? Do we use other means, whether violent or nonviolent, like that that's a debate we're having in our own world, you know? And I, I just I, I like that they made it so much more complicated and complex. Yeah, I uh, me too. Uh, mostly. You know, I enjoy yeah. it for what it is. And I think it's cool that right. they have a movie that does that. I also one of the things I like about Star Wars is most of the time it is like fairly straightforward in a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. and like, you know, the original three movies, like I appreciate them on, on those grounds. I don't I don't need them to right. be complicated. You know, it's like I, I mm-hmm. feel like there's room for both. Right. Yeah. And it, 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 Rogue One feels less mythological. Right. Like, yeah, I think it's, I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think I think Rogue One is the real story that inspires the myth that comes out of it. Sure. Yeah. That's a that's yeah. a way. I mean, sure. I, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I mean, I think and, and your comment is totally fair. Like this is something you and I talked about. You give me a movie or a TV show where every character is shades of gray and no one's really right, no one's really wrong, except they're all kind of wrong, but they all make sense. Um, I'm gonna eat up every part of that. And I know often you're just like, give me a good guy to root for. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's just like don't make everybody super dark gray. I guess if yeah, you're if we're going that's with fair. that metaphor, it's like or like give yeah give me someone likable you know and yeah. give me some hope and I think that is actually kind of the the essence of of Star Wars really is right. that you know I, I think um, when they were doing uh, Clone Wars I think you know mm-hmm. um, George Lucas said to like you know Dave Filoni like you know don't don't forget to give them hope. You know, like kids right. need hope or like basically like, you know, that it's like if it's all just bleak and um, everybody's horrible all the time. It's like, right. That though, that's not shades of gray anymore. Yeah. You know, that's just some like same colored morass. And mm-hmm. um, I just. Yeah, I agree with you. Go ahead. Oh, uh, just to your point of sort of like the, you know, 
specifically A New Hope and Rogue One uh-huh. and how Rogue One kind of feels sort of like Vietnam to you, right? Um, mm-hmm. The trench scene was modeled directly on um, a, a British war film called The Dam Busters that was set in World War II. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. so, so that is actually specifically, you know, the, the original Star Wars, as much as it's supposedly like, you know, the Empire is supposed to be modeled after Rome and stuff like that, like that right. scene was based on a World War II movie, uh, you know, a movie okay. about World War II. So. Yeah, I'm, and, and that's fascinating because I do think that there is, um, now Afghanistan and Iraq, the, the calculus is changing somewhat, but like I think for most, it, if you ask like, you know, what is the good American war? World War II is what most people are going to answer. And what's the bad American war? Vietnam. Right, you know, Those right, are kind of right. often seen as the two poles, uh, at least in, in our living memory, uh, living memory of people who are still alive. Um, and so let's talk about that. Of, Because um, I, 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 I totally get you. And I do – yeah, I, I, I find more complexity than some others in those originally movies. That, that sounds super pompous. I don't mean that. But like I – I, I, you think there's more complexity than I think there is, is or than you yeah. think I think there is. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I, or certainly then I think like Matt, Matt Carroll and I have argued about this a lot because right, right, right. he, he will often say like, you know, that the, the original movies, it's all very just black and white ideas of good and evil. And I, I think I think it is, but also part of the, the point is how easily good can become evil or, or shift in their, and, evil, and that evil can come back to being good, sure. et cetera. Yeah, um, I agree. But, but I totally get your idea of the point. And I think like, Especially as a kid, yeah, I love those movies because there's hope, because the good guy wins. And, like, you know, it was a show like Daredevil. Like, you know, there's hope, but it's, it's, it is a much darker kind of a show. My sense is, though, that, like, I mean, Rogue One is about hope. It's li- literally the last line of the movie right. is, is hope, you know. But no one lives except the people up in those ships. And I, I, I am of the opinion that I think... This show is probably going to be – it's going to be about hope, but it's going to be about hope as the candle in the darkness rather than, like, the great fire of hope that, that is just over the horizon. Does that – like, I think that this show is going to be about – like, I'm imagining that a lot of the show is going to take place kind of around the same time Rebels is happening or a couple of years before Rebels when, you know, it does look like the most people are on the side of the Empire and the Empire has all the weapons and all the power and – We've got these people who are struggling to find ways to work together to, to put this all together, but no one has any idea if this is possible. I would say I would – I mean I don't want to expect too much, but I, yeah. my sense is more that it would be about finding hope than you know mm-hmm. an abundance of that. hope kind of. You know, yeah. About – beginning in which to me is almost like more hopeful than just like if you're just like oh yeah everything's you know it's like right. yeah it's you know <clears throat> i would imagine it's starting from a point of sort of a feeling of sort of shared futility of like sure the empire is horrible but what can we do about it you know right. like um you know we're powerless in the wake of of this you know monstrous uh you know military and yeah. i think I would imagine that, yeah, it's not going to be, you know, a, a shining beacon of hope throughout the, the show. But mm-hmm. that I would I would hope that it's it's less hmm, about, um, you know, just that. And also, you know, some just like logistical like, yeah, OK, well, we want to rebel in this specific way and like, you know, change such and such. And 
how can we what can how can we go about doing that you know like right. like in like i'm i'm almost hoping for like a little bit of like a burn notice kind of thing you know of a like you know situation is bad a bunch of people have a lot of problems and kind of trying to trying to do something about it in a in a situation where that's difficult right right um so yeah i don't know but we'll see yeah yeah i was thinking the thing is you're talking that some part of it may well be about like the one person who has hope trying to convince others you know right and we said that Andor like even in Rogue One, like one of the uh, even in the the start this TV show Star Wars Rebels, you know one of the main stories of that is people who are just kind of like either let's just survive under the Empire or let's just sort of poke at the Empire where we can, starting to think that maybe like one group starting to convince others that you can have hope that we can do even more, and I could totally see that that being a big part of what this is about. Um, I, I know from books, if I can spoil that, because that's sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, like you know that that some of the more recent books have gone a lot deeper into the political machinations that like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa and Padme uh, and others were kind of doing in those last years of this is going all the way back to the Clone Wars with Padme, obviously, but like you know that Bail and um, uh, Organa and and, and others. Uh, uh, Bale and Mothma and, and others um, were trying to do to kind of like pull people together and those discussions of like, should we be fighting or should we be, you know, just using the Senate or how do we do those both? And I think I'm, I, I would love the, like, I want to see missions. I want mm-hmm. to see, I don't want it to be all people sitting around tables. I want to see Cassie and Andor getting to do cool Cassie and Andor stuff. But I also want that sitting around tables. I want to see those discussions of like, you know, probably Cassian doing some things that get his hands dirty that, you know, some of the people who are more on the let's talk to the Senate side really don't like and and those kind of dynamics. Yeah. And I mean, it's what, it's 12 episodes or something like that? Uh, it's uh, There are two seasons of it. There's, so 12 episodes now and 12 episodes in um, like, I think, six months or a year or something like that. Oh, OK. So there's 12 episodes now. I think three come out to, to begin with. Right. And. Yep. I guess they have a, a second season plan. So, like, that's mm-hmm. a good amount of time. What I, I hope it's not, like, 12 episodes leading up to finally deciding to maybe get involved in the rebellion and then, like, there will be 12 episodes, you know. I, my yeah. guess, my guess would be they're releasing three episodes because not a lot happens in the first two episodes. <laughs> you know, it's like that sort mm-hmm. of setting things up slowly, kind of Disney Plus, although that's more the Marvel shows. Um, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then the third episode, it's like, okay, and now we're doing the rebellion. And it's like, all right, yep. uh, I'll come back next week for more rebellion, you know? But yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would like to see some of that sort of, you know, whether it's political or kind of trying to decide, you know, mm-hmm. um, sort of the debate of like how to go about things. Right. Right. I, I would like to see that as sort of a, a nice B plot, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, with an A plot mostly being like missions and like, okay, we're going to try and do this. But then there's yeah. a complication of so-and-so actually would rather you did it like this. And then yeah. some kind of tensions there. And like maybe some divided loyalties. Like, oh, well, so-and-so said do this. So-and-so did mm-hmm. said do this. But actually, I want to do that, you know. And right. um, I, I, think, I think that could be interesting. I mean, I think the way you held up burn notice is – to me, we've talked about this before. But burn notice is to me my – I think the best possible melding – of episodic television within the frame of a serialized story. Yeah. Because I like, every season Yeah, every season has an Uber story, but then there's the like he's got to pay the bills, so he does 
private investigator, private save people missions. And sometimes they tie into his main mission and sometimes they don't. Right. Um, I also just think that this is going to be a really fun time to explore because we have explored it in some other ways. And, like, I don't want the whole show to happen on Lothal by any means. Like, I want right, this to right, carve right. out whole new spaces. But, you know, I really love that we're starting to see more of the animated shows, which I think have always been considered, like, kind of the, the redheaded stepchild of the Star Wars universe being brought in. Like... I wouldn't mind if we see live action like Ezra's parents in an episode at one point, you know, or like mm. some of those kind of things or like some of the we hear about like, you know, someone references that ghost crew or Phoenix one or something like that. that that's out there. Um, I, I'm trying, again, not to have expectations, but I'll say the one theory that I'm hoping for is I feel like someone at Disney realized what utter gold they have found by pulling Tamara Morrison back out of the, like, acting, you know, like, hey, you oh, played yeah. this role for us 25 years ago. How about if you do a lot more for us? Um, and and he says that, like, uh, in, in Rogue One, he says that he's been in this since he was, like, four years old or five, you know, eight years old, whatever the number is. Um, we know Dis- Star Wars Disney at this point loves flashbacks. I would love to see if we saw, like, what happened to, to his family at the beginning because – Unless he's a lot younger than Diego Luna looks, that probably happened during the Clone Wars. And I think it would be fun to kind of get to see some of that time period. Um, again, not even just for the, like, I want to see that time period, but just because we've not seen very much that connects the two. You know, that right. really helped Bad Batch, I think. Stru- Bad Batch and Rogue One have both sort of taken the two ends of the spectrum and started to push in from the two directions. And I just want more of that. I want more filling in that time period. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I mean, I I feel like there has to be a like Tamora Morrison cameo in every show, right? Um, yeah, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if this takes place a while before, but then towards the end, it's like like if the second season is closer, like maybe we could mm-hmm. see someone like Rex, you know? Yeah. Um, there there certainly could could be in terms of flashing all the way back. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder whether they're going to show like like. Kid Cassie and Andor, that had to be before the, the Empire, really, right? Um, yeah, so I was saying it would be during – if something terrible happened to his family because of the war, I, I think it would be during the Clone Wars. Right, or even before the Clone Wars, right, in the beginning yeah. of the, the Separatist and, mm-hmm. um, you know, movement and whatever. So, um, yeah, which then feels like a little complicated, right? It's like so – so then what does he want? Who is he mad at, you know? But, right. uh, but I, I don't – it didn't – was he specific about, like, something happened to his parents or whatever? Or is that kind of... I think it was, like, we've all lost someone, and then I've been in this fight since I was a very young years of age. Right, right. Which made me think, he like, I'm trying to think what gets a six-year-old into it. Maybe, maybe it's your parents do it. Um, right. But, like, to me, that often means, like, you're living on your own. You're... Something like yeah. that's happening. But is six, like, a number that you kind of just made up? Or is that, or do you think that's actually close to the number? I know that it's, like, element. I know it's under 10. Okay, it wasn't, like, like, 16. It was, like, 8 or, like... No, no, no. It was definitely, like, since I was a very small... Since I was, like, a shockingly young child. Interesting. Okay. Um, Well, then, I mean, that, to me, would would change a fair amount of... Yeah. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. uh, I just Googled it quickly, and it is... Yeah, the line is, I've been in this fight since I was 6 years old. Oh, okay, yeah. Huh. So... And I, I mean, I, I think of him in that movie as being around like mid twenties, late twenties. No, it's like thirties easily. You think so? Okay, right. Okay. I mean, then yeah. Then it probably would be pre Clone Wars because 
that well that that movie is taking place 19 years after the end of the Clone Wars. Right. So if he's more like 27, 28, it could be Clone Wars if he's older. Yeah. But I mean, we, I we mean the that... actor was in his 30s. That's all. Yeah. That's all I know. Star Wars Late has 30s, certainly fudged some dates. Uh, so, along the way. Yeah, and they just had the easiest out ever. It's just like, eh, space, relativity, just give us a break. And they're like, no, this is the year of this and this. And it's like, ah, you didn't have to do that. You could have kept yeah. it vague. You should have kept right? it vague. Um, right. Anyway, calm down, Honshot first. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, Cisco has a t-shirt that says that on the on the Flash yeah. show, which is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, getting wisdom teeth pulled is kind of sucky. I'm totally very sympathetic to you now. Yes, yes. Um, anyway, um, yeah, and we will we will re-engage with the chat. And if anybody has any any questions about um, the upcoming show that don't involve spoilers, feel free mm-hmm. to hit us up in the in the questions. Um, yep. Where 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 were we? Oh yeah. So so in terms of like. Yeah, I mean, maybe the character's supposed to be in his 20s, and they're just like, yeah. you know, it's Hollywood. Um, I I did think, I was like, oh, that flashback, or the, the intro, right, which takes place, like, maybe a decade earlier right. in, in Rogue One. That actually, it occurred to me this time, I was like, oh, that, that happens during the Kenobi show. Does it? It's like about 10 years earlier, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, maybe I it's a like, little before the Kenobi show, but it's right around the same time. I guess you're probably right. I thought it was more like 12 years uh, beforehand. Right. Um, so then it would be two years before the Kenobi show. But Yeah. Yeah, around the same time know, period. It's, it's certainly it's right. the same same ballpark. Um, right. I think I just made it 10 years before because I just made it that in my head. But it's, yeah. it's probably not um, probably not that specific in terms of within the movie. The novelization probably says it was ex- exactly this many years before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, um, I I recently I actually recently read the book Catalyst, which is all about um, the period from when um, Jin is. It, it's about Galen Erso mm. during that period when he's working for Krennic, um, and Jin is on the run. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah and I, yeah. I think that had the exact dates. I don't remember, but I don't want that. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that I'd rather avoid. Because yeah, it's like then it's like wait, but. You said this happened now and this happened yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. They're, and like, they're just not that good with that stuff. It's okay. Yeah. At least there's lightsaber fights. Okay, there might not be any in this one. Um, although maybe there will be some cameos. We'll see. But, like, it'll be fine. I have to say, I, like, you I hope love the not, Jedi. Right? What? You hope there's not? That we get... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind a cameo. I wouldn't mind a cameo. But I think one of the things that I liked so much about Rogue One was... There were no real Force users. There were people who had enough connection to the Force that they were kind of had like low-level superpowers, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like Daredevil, you know, especially with the 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 main sort of Force-aligned person uh, who was also blind but clearly able to like be very aware of his uh, surroundings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But even then, they left that really vague as to how much is this the Force, how much is this just him being very attuned to his other senses and being a good fighter, you know, who knows? Um, and yeah, I, I, I just... I think as part of it is once a person like turns on a lightsaber, it everyone else is going to fade a little bit, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. just That's by uh, quite literally. But all, like, and like Han was an ama- Han and Leia managed to be amazing characters without being Jedi, and Leia got some powers later, of course. But like. I think that's hard to do, and I don't think they've done that very well since. And I think mm. that's why. 
um, Rogue One I thought was so good was that it, it gave us that world without that. And yeah, I, 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 I think I'm really hoping that we don't get much of the Jedi here. Maybe Kenobi is going to be like pops up once or twice. Um, but even then, no, because so much of it seems to be like, you know, hey, we need to go tell your, your guy on Tatooine to come out of retirement. Um, yeah, I'm what about you? Because I, I know you love Jedi a lot more than I do. Uh, I mean, I, I love them, too, but you're often much happier to see them than I am. Do you want this to be kind of a, a forceless show or do you want there to be some of that stuff happening? Well, I mean, I would say that the Jedi are what's special about Star Wars. You know, I think mm. without the lightsaber, Star Wars is, you know, it's cool. You know, to me, it's the thing that elevates it. And, you know, the force, not so much specifically the Jedi, but like, yeah, they're, they're space wizards. They're space wizards with lightsabers. That, to me, is just like... Otherwise, it could be a lot of different things, you know? Um, Interesting. So, there, there's nothing about it being Star Wars mm-hmm. that without lightsabers and, like, using the Force that is inherently interesting to me. I think Andor, to me, is interesting because... Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the character in Rogue One. I find him intriguing, right? right? I would say intriguing because I don't know that much about him. I, I, I'm interested to know more. Okay, tell me more. Yeah. Um, I think Diego Luna's fantastic. And I think Tony Gilroy is a great writer. So yeah. you put all those things together. When I first heard they were doing Andor, I was like, okay, that's nice. you know. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, and then it was coming up. I was like, all right, okay. And then I found out like who the, the showrunner was. And I was like, oh. Okay, it's probably going to be – like, if it's well-written, I don't care that you don't have lightsabers, you know? Yeah. I don't I don't care that you don't have Jedi and, and, you know, force powers. And I don't even care that it is Star Wars. I care that it's mm. well-written spy stuff, you know? Like, yeah. I'm here for that. And if it's that, awesome. If there's some lightsabers, bonus points, you know? But yeah. not necessary. And I do respect the try for, like, okay, but how about – if we establish that this is totally worth watching without the lightsabers, and then maybe we give you a few lightsabers, you know? Yeah. And I feel like Mandalorian actually did a fantastic job of that. Where, yeah. granted, you know, you, you got you got Grogu, you got some force, right? But you didn't have a mm-hmm. lightsaber till like, almost like the, the stinger at the end, practically, right? Right. Like, and, um, you know, Rebels definitely was like, okay, but... What if there were some Jedi around? You know, and it's like, yeah. it, it does feel like there aren't, I'm trying to think, is there a season of television or a movie in Star Wars that doesn't have a single lightsaber in it? I'm getting the reaction no. I was hoping for. I don't think there is. Like, it would be Solo, right? But does, at the end, does like Maul just light up his lightsaber for absolutely no reason? I feel like that happens. I think Solo would count just as in like no one attacks someone with a lightsaber, you know? Correct. Yes, and, yes. And, and even there, like I, I should also say, also. first, I mean, first season rather than Mandalorian. I guess. To, well, first of all, I think that's such a fascinating comment you made because to me, and maybe this is part of why I love A New Hope the most, and you love uh, Empire or Jedi the yeah. most. To me, it's not. The, the space wizards never caught my attention the way the X-Wing TIE fighter battles did. Mm. Like, okay. those are the scenes. If I really need to watch, like, just, like, ten minutes of Star Wars, yeah. I'd probably pull up the the Death Star Trench run. Right. Or, the, or something like that. 
Or as we talked about on the last episode, you know, Return of the Jedi, which gives us both, like an epic space battle yeah, yeah, and yeah. the Great Wizard battle. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. But I think, and I think to me, part of it is that, and again, maybe this is my interpretation of the original movies, part of my understanding of the Empire is that most people probably didn't have the words to understand this necessarily, but on some level, there's an understanding of one of the things that makes the Empire so powerful is they have the Force, and no one else does. Like, they now have the monopoly on that, you mm. know? Part of what makes Vader so terrifying right. is that there's no one else with a lightsaber going to fight him again right, right. until this kid comes along, and that's what makes Luke so amazing. Right. And, you know, and that he's the last Jedi, and um, that's... <laughs> the, I'm not even referencing that movie. I know, like, I know, you know, I know. He, yeah. He's our only hope, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, there is another. And, and that's somewhat changed by like you know, rebels, although yeah, yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Dealt no, it with all it, gets yes, yes. Di- the, and but yeah, and like so yeah. I by by saying that I don't mean I'm perfectly like I hope he's not the main bad guy, but like I'm perfectly fine if like Vader turns up in one particular scene, you mm-hmm. know, and and does force things right. or like some of the Inquisitors show up or something like that. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I kind of don't want our rebel band to have access to the force for the most part, because I feel like that to me, that's, that's such a source of hope. Like you right. have just one Jedi, you're in a much, much better place. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, um, I think seeing kind of how the rebellion functioned without any Jedi, which we already know, like there's, you know, right. but like they don't all know about like Ezra and right. Kanan, right? So and Ahsoka and and like so I think if seeing that more, I, I do think that gives mm. some some perspective, you know. And right. and I do think that's an interesting story, you know. Um yeah. just to me it that's not like a uniquely Star Wars story. It's it's a story about a rebellion, you know. And it does fit mm. within the whole, you know, um, yeah. timeline and everything, right? Um but uh but yeah, I mean just those are the things that really do set it apart for me. Mm-hmm. I I will say, I actually think Vader having a significant presence in the show as like a, a principal mm-hmm. villain um, or like a looming presence, but never using the force and never lighting up his lightsaber would be way more like... Oh, yeah. Like that would have, really good. you know? I mean, because like... He's got the gravitas and he's got the, like, he doesn't need to use the force, you know? Yeah. And, like, you know it's there. You know he could. But, like, he's he's this intimidating presence. And I think just having that, like, you don't see him use the force in A New Hope until he's fighting Kenobi, right? And uh, even then, no, he's he really overtly. He, in that first, uh, you know... Uh, I find your lack of faith disturbing. Oh, that yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, when when he's yeah, completely, one hundred percent. When he's boarding the rebel ship, though, like he doesn't use the force. He just comes in. He yeah, physically no, he... lifts someone up with his hand. You know. Well, because that's when stormtroopers still knew how to fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot. That's when they could like... hit something. Well, they're in a corridor, and everybody's yeah. right there. So, uh, no, they don't hit people in the corridor later. Yeah, uh, yeah. The first first twenty minutes of the movie. That's what Kenobi he, was referencing in terms of being so here, here, Well, here's how good aim they have. They're, them and the, uh, 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 not, not, I want to say Andorians, uh, Alderanians, yeah. are both shooting all these laser blasts in this very tight hallway. Yeah. 
but they all manage to avoid shooting R2 and C3PO as they like lumber across That's the true, hallway. Yes. For, yes. So, all right. Uh, I think we're getting a little punchy there, so probably a decent time to wrap up. Um, any other kind of last comments or big questions you want to bring up or small questions? No. Yeah. Okay. Huh? Oh, oh, I see what you're getting. Yeah, okay. That was a very simple answer. I get it. I like it. I like it. Um, I don't have any either, so this is going to be a good place to call it. So we're going to have a quick discussion after about the uh, going back to that top three lists. We have one more top three list to give you. Well, we're going to do a bunch more, but we'll get right back to that. Uh, but first, Paul, what are you up to these days? I am doing things as Zen Madman. I've been tweeting and stuff. I'm I'm building some absolutely psychotic plan that I will unveil with more specificity in the future. Uh, for now, you know, we're streaming every Wednesday at, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. I'm just going to give Eastern time because neither of us live there anymore. Um, I like yeah. It. I like and it. so we're going to be doing this and then uh, we're going to be, you know, I do some poker stuff in the mornings. Uh, I guess it's 2 p.m., Eastern time on like Tuesdays and, and Fridays. Yeah. Nice. Generally. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. I've gotten a lot better at poker watching uh, Paul's stuff. A lot of great stuff happening. Um, and of course, all of my stuff can be found under the name The Ethical Panda. Most importantly, that's the way to uh, give us feedback. We'd love to know what you think. What are you excited about? Again, if you don't mind, please, no spoilers. Or or even if you want to, like if you send me an email that says um, and or thoughts, spoilers in all caps, I'll just be like, cool, I won't open this until... Uh, I get to that episode. Yeah, so yeah. feel free to do that. But you please mark it. You know, we don't want to be spoiled. Uh, and hope some of you at least enjoyed getting to hear this without being spoiled either. Uh, and if you have a lot to laugh at us because you know more things than we do, then again, put that in. Just put a spoiler warning with it. Theethicalpanda.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all with that name. Uh, most importantly, TikTok. We're really trying to build the TikTok numbers up, and we're really trying to get people to come to this Twitch. Uh, the more people who are in chat, the more we can kind of get involved and have a lot of good discussions. So... Uh, thank you all so much for being a good audience, and we'll be right back with our stinger after this. All right, so Paul, top three audio cues, like top three mo, and it can be like just one particular moment of music, or it can be like the music in a scene, but like the top three moments we were like, yeah, that not only did like the the music brilliant, but like the way the music fits into the scene is just incredible. Um, one and two are both going to be, you know, the force theme, basically the first one mm -hmm. from a new hope, which is my favorite part of a new hope is just Luke watching the sun's set. It's yeah. to me, it like establishes the character in a way that no line of dialogue, no facial expression, like no single act of doing a thing could do mm -hmm. better or even as well, right. right? Just like standing there looking out uh, across the the sands and seeing the sunset and the music is just so evocative of basically this sort of sense of, of like longing and like wanting to do something meaningful, I think. Mm -hmm. um, that's, uh, I don't know, it's something that I always felt like I related to a lot. And mm. I used to watch that scene in, in my apartment on like the 17th floor and be able to see out at the sunset over the Hudson, mm. you know, and have like a, a similar feeling of sort of like, you know, kind of feeling like I wanted to do something that felt meaningful, but 
um, being trapped in, you know, in high school or like, you know, some sort of um, situation where it's like, you know, you can't immediately do the things that feel like they would they would have the most meaning. Mm -hmm. That's my number one. Okay, Uh, my number one is it's a moment we've talked about often on this show. Uh, and I, we really should just memorize what season and episode it is. But it's the episode where uh, – so it must be in season two. Satine and Obi-Wan have captured this Sith uh, person uh, – not Sith, like a, a clone leader. And he's kind of mocking them about how – Separatist you know, leader, right? Separatist, separatist yeah. leader, yeah, thank you is what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't kill him because, like, you know, Satine and Obi-Wan each want to believe this of each other. And, and he's literally like, you know, so what will you do about me? Mm-hmm. Or, and he, he literally says, it's like, so who's going to kill me? At which point, um, Anakin's lightsaber goes through him and we hear subtly, it's not, you kind of have to like, you pick it out, but the dark side theme for just a few seconds. And it's like, t- I've said this before, to me, that one moment better explains and shows Anakin's fall to the dark side than the entirety of Revenge of the Sith. It is just such a perfect moment. And the music there is so essential because I think without the music, you'd been left like, well, yeah, he's killing an enemy leader. Maybe he did the right thing, but he also killed a defenseless person. So I I feel like I didn't... One of the things that's always hard for me is when I feel like a character really did something wrong, but I'm not sure that the writer thinks that the Mm, characters did something wrong. And that music to me was such a good way of being like, yeah, you, you did just see what you think you saw. Mm. Um, but in this subtle way, without Obi-Wan getting upset about it or Satine getting upset about it, uh, they're both just like, that's Anakin being Anakin, uh, which I think is part of the problem. Of that, you know, but, but yeah, so that, that to me is my number one. Yeah, that is one of my favorite Star Wars moments of all time. Yeah. And, and like – 50% of the reason I was like, hey, you should watch The Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was that moment. I was like, oh, they're, yeah, this is so much more compelling of a, of a way of, you know, telling this story. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple other times when Anakin does something, which, by the way, I think is totally justified. But, you know, you're, right. this is, you know, it's, it's Cassian Andor shooting someone in the back because it seems like, what do you think needs to be done right then? Um, I, I really appreciate how understated that moment is. Right. Yeah. It's most of most of the musical, all of the musical cues that I'm going to mention are these very like mm-hmm. in your face. This is the music, you know, um, and and that one is not. It's like it's very light. And um, I'll give for honorable mention um, something in the, the sort of way of that was at the end of um, episode. Four. Of book, book of Boba Fett, I think it was episode four. Is either episode four or five? Um, but it was the mm-hmm. one just before you know they get Mando and they just play like one bar from the theme, you know? Yeah. And it like it's you're like oh that's who's coming next episode, you know? And like yep. that it, it's so it's you know it's like people going crazy for the X Men um, mm-hmm. theme in in various right. other media, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'll I, also say. Yeah. Good. I was just gonna say. So I appreciate the subtlety involved in that one. Very much so. Yeah. Like I think. Like again, if Obi Wan makes a big deal of it, he says, "Oh, you're falling to that." I think it ruins it entirely. Totally. You know, I totally think it has to be that way. subtle thing. Yeah. Um. Also, funny. What you said reminded me of something else. I'm I'm interested in for, uh, Andor, and I think it's a discussion we'll have going forward. But I I, I do think like 
the, the connection you made to it with Cassian, I think, I think is somewhat intentional. I think part of what this show is going to get into is, are there things that the Jedi can't do, but that need to be done? Right. Um, Cause I have a whole, like a lot of the stuff that I've been reading, but also just even from the movies and shows, I have a whole thing about like, maybe Leia didn't become a Jedi because she wanted it. She knew she had to be a politician. And mm, like, she was like, right. I can't have the force because I got to get my hands dirty. Um, I so. don't know. I feel like old Jedi mind trick would be super useful in politics. Just saying. That's that's fair. That's fair. Um, but anyway, so what's your number two moment? Um, my number two is like almost like one B. It's it's almost the same as the first one. It is the same yeah. music, but with Luke lighting um, Vader's armor on fire. Whether or not mm-hmm. Anakin is in there at that point or not, it's maybe a little unclear. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, this sort of like, <laughs> now the circle's complete, you know? Like, right. started off as this, you know, farm boy looking for purpose, trying to do something. And then he did something that was very meaningful, you know? A, a, yeah. Not like, you know, saving the galaxy or whatever, but like, you know, saving his father, you know, bringing him back from the dark side. and And this is the kind of like putting to bed of that and and it just also looks really cool it's this like really powerful visual um paired with this very powerful music um mm-hmm. and then the way that that gives way you know to 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 yub nub yeah <laughs> like it's a really it's a really great transition so it that cue cues another cue and it's like it's yeah, yeah. It's a brilliant end to um, a movie that apparently George Lucas thought was too good for people to watch and was like, no, I have to ruin this. Yeah, I feel like we, we ranted enough about Yub Nub last time that it's only yeah. in my honorable mentions, okay. but it's definitely an honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, my second is one that occurs in almost every movie, but to me it is just so utterly Star Wars. And it's the, like, that transition from, like, the end of the, like, dun, da, 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 uh, the 20th century uh, the, the kind of, like, opening or, orchestral music. Right. And then you get kind of, like, this moment of silence when it's, um, you know, a long time ago in a yeah, galaxy yeah, yeah. far, far away. And then you're just hit by the opening, just like, ba da da It is, to me, that is almost as quintessentially Star Wars as what you were talking about with the lightsabers. Mm. Which is part of why the first few minutes of Rogue One always throw me. Oh, right. Because it's not that. It's just like this just jarring note. Yeah. Um, it's really weird. Just like, I just watched no. it. I was like, what? What is going on? Wait, do they Wait. even have an opening crawl? They don't. I know. I was like, so what? upset. <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> and I think that worked. Because I think sure. it, because it had been so established, it's a great way. Yeah. And to me, it's... It, there's another question that was on TikTok at one point about what's the the Star Wars your first Star Wars memory really and to me the first movie that I remember seeing in a theater was Return of the Jedi and I was I was probably like six years old yeah I was 83 I was six mm-hmm. years old and maybe it may, actually it was five, five yeah you're May. gonna be six right yeah and I remember like the theater I was in it was in New York City it was not a huge theater and it was so loud. That I felt literally like pressed back into my seat mm. by just the overwhelmingness of that music. Yeah. And it just is – it's just utterly epic in a way that I think it, – it does, like you said, it the, it gives that mythological quality. You know, it's that yeah. like this is not a movie about regular people. This is Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that is – I don't know whether that's the most iconic or the second most iconic music, you know, from uh, – from Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? But it's like 
it is just it it hits you right in the face and basically tells you like what you're about to witness, you know. Yeah. Um and my first film memory is also seeing Return of the Jedi, however at the Ziegfeld, which is the biggest theater in New York. Um yeah. and like I I I like I remember going up the escalators and like I remember like the feeling of like seeing Luke's lightsaber shoot out of R2. And I mean, I suppose I had seen Empire Strikes Back like on TV or something, but it had come out when I was like two, you know, and Return of the Jedi had just turned five. And it was like, I was like, what is going on? You know, and and Mm -hmm. so and then I needed all of the toys. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that that I I I mean, is a very powerful uh, piece of music and the the way it's introduced i i feel like that sort of drum roll fanfare thing with like the the mm-hmm. fox logo actually that transition from that to like the first notes of the brass oh yeah it's like that is there's there's something that because it's like it's already this big fanfare and then that stops it's like no here's the real fanfare you know yeah no, i think that's exactly it it really does sound like an introduction of like and then the, literally the, the fact that it's almost silent when it's a long time ago in a galaxy far away. Because that, that literally is. It's like, here's the music of right now. Yeah. Then we're telling you that we're taking you to this different time and place. And then the music kicks in. Yeah. And it's just like th- – there's a number of people where it's like I don't think Star Wars becomes what it does if it, if it isn't for this person. And John Williams to me is absolutely on that list for that music. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it could be. Great. It would still be great stories. You know, they'd still look really cool. But the music yeah. is what just elevates it to that yeah. real, like, mythological feeling. Um, no. I, I, f- I feel like you know, there's plenty of other great musical cues um, in Return of the Jedi, like when um, when they're dueling, and you know, the the kind of like the voices come in that that whole moment is so powerful and, and the music there, but it, to me, that doesn't feel like a singular moment. Um, you know, I mean, it is, but it's like several singular moments kind of, you know, mm-hmm. um, f- for me, it has to be like the Imperial March and like probably just the first time you hear it in Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back, you know, um, the, the time when it comes in, in um, Return of the Jedi also like has this, because now they're like on a, they're on a new Death Star, right? And like, right. and then the same thing happens, and like the Empire, the Emperor shows up. Um, but like, really, just like the first time, just like the the Imperial March hits, it's just it's just so powerful. And and that theme, you know, which which then is termed Vader's theme. Like, I actually had the collection, I had the the soundtracks. You know, mm-hmm. or the, the, not the um, scores. I guess they're scores. Yeah, there's like a four CD set that was like every music I ever played. And yeah, and I, I, I used to have that. I don't unfortunately anymore. Um, and I, I had some like mashup before mashups were a big thing of like mm-hmm. playing um, like the Godfather theme, like guitar solo over the Imperial uh-huh. March. It was it was super cool, but I never recorded it. Um, nice, <laughs> but but yeah, it just like. The Imperial March is just amazing, and, like, pretty much every time it shows up, it's great, but, like, sort of the first time when it's just, like, first, like, you know, it's showing you, I feel, the sort of scope and the feel of the Empire in a way that um, I feel like A New Hope only kind of, like, alluded to, Yeah, you know, and then it makes it, like... That same piece of music is my number three as well. Okay, but it's it's the other time you mentioned it. For me, it's in Return of the Jedi. It, mm. uh, it's that like 
because yeah, that that we we saw the emperor briefly, but only as a hologram mm-hmm. that Vader was talking to, and then that scene, and, and it's it's not just that it's him; it's that like the soldiers are lined up to greet him, and they do a, the kind of parade march thing where they all like you know move their guns in the exact same moment, and it just. It gave you an idea, like, exactly what you said, not just the scope and size of the Empire, but just, like, the professionalism, the rigidness of, right. like, this is not a ragtag bunch. This is a group of, you know, you blew up our Death Star? Fine. We're going to build another one. You know, like, this is the might of the Empire. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I like, I can't even quite picture what what moment is it in, in Empire that they first play the march? I think they're just showing, like, the fleet, you know? And they, I think that's where they yeah. first show Vader's command ship. Which is like you've seen the star destroyers in Star in A New Hope, and they're huge. Yeah. And then here you see the star destroyers, and they're these like little things next to like Vader's command ship, right? So it's like yeah. it's showing this scope in that way. And and I think then you see Vader like on the ship. Uh, maybe that's when the music comes down a bit. But yeah, I I, I was deciding between that and and yours. So like I'm yeah. glad I picked the one so that you can pick the other. You know, but like I'm exactly. I'm with you there. Like that that's maybe actually a better one. But I also kind of wanted one from each of the movies. So yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, am I the only one who went outside the the original trilogy? Yeah, like yeah, I just picked moment? one from each of the first three movies. Yeah, but and, and I'll say I honestly, co-signed like, all of yours and, and had an honorable mention. Yeah, of which there are the, too the, many. Like. The Anakin one, I think, is the best, but, like, one thing I really appreciate with both Clone Wars and Rebels, it, like, you know, we call it fan service now when, like, you, you reference an earlier property in the newest property. And I think it can be, and I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think also it can be like, no, this is a very important way of, like, tying these stories together. And I feel like in Clone Wars, but especially in Rogue One, there are just so many times where they use music so well to kind of help you connect what's happening here mm-hmm. to what happened in uh, the movies that you've seen. And, like, that one moment from Clone Wars is so good. I think there's probably five or six others from Clone Wars that are amazing. There's a bunch that are just so good in Rebels. And so, like, all to me, the I didn't want to do two of them because they're similar, but, like, the Anakin one is the, the top. But, like, they all get honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, I think, like, when like an Obi-Wan in one of those things. And there's, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't consider that fan service. I, I feel like, you know, and I don't think fan service necessarily even has to be used in kind of like a sort of dismissive fashion. But to me, it's like, that's an integral aspect of try, of connecting yeah. these things, you know, and it, it really yeah. makes them live in the same universe in a way that they wouldn't without. And I'm, I'm curious, like, oh, so Mandalorian, like actually I think came up with new brilliant themes. And then Book mm-hmm. of Boba Fett, I think, also came up with great themes. And, like, they had that whole, like, dark trooper dubstep thing in Mandalorian, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like they really have continually just gotten great music and added new themes while also carrying forward, the, you know, the, the previous themes. I'm really curious, like, what did they do musically in Andor, you know? Yeah, like, I'd be curious, like... I don't know. Rogue One had some interesting themes. I think the clones have some interesting music themes that, that could come in if we go to that period. I think there's definitely, like, I think kind of some of the hopeful music in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in not necessarily the Force-connected music, but just some of the, the other stuff will definitely be a part of it. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Paul. This was awesome. Um, thank you again to everyone who's listening. Uh, hope you really enjoyed this. Let us know what you think. And most importantly, as fans, be excellent to each other. 